Welcome to This Day in Baseball's Daily Rewind, where we bring you events and stories that are eternal memories for baseball fans' soul. We bring you one event from each day in the calendar and go well beyond the box score. Our stories are brief and fun and come with some surprises. My name's Tom Hannon, and I have had a never-ending curiosity about baseball for 40 years, and it's my pleasure to bring these stories to you. Welcome to Episode 11, One and Done, the story of the Seattle Pilots on this day in baseball's Daily Rewind. Before we talk about the Pilots, I want to remind you about this day in baseball's YouTube channel. Our username is This Day in Baseball, and we've recently launched several full radio broadcasts of games from 1934, 1935, and 1936, featuring Joe DiMaggio, Carl Hubble, Dizzy Dean, and Babe Ruth, to name a few. We have over 300 videos to walk you through baseball history, and more videos are getting updated every single week. So go on over and check out This Day in Baseball on YouTube. So this episode is dedicated to my friend Rick Smith. Rick and I played baseball together growing up in Cambridge, Mass. for years. And he was a devoted collector of memorabilia from the Seattle Pilots. I had never even heard of the Seattle Pilots when I first met Rick when I was a little kid. And I learned a lot about the Pilots from him. And he helped contribute some facts for this. So I want to thank you for that. As a quick side note... The music you're going to hear during the background of this podcast is the actual theme song from the Seattle Pilots, and I'm going to play it in full length for you after the episode. On Friday afternoon, April 11th, 1969, Major League Baseball came to Seattle with the American League expansion Seattle Pilots debuting at Sixth Stadium against the Chicago White Sox. Seattle had near misses with both the Indians and the A's, considering moving to the Pacific Northwest. But finally, Seattle had a big league team, albeit it was two years ahead of schedule. During the game, Seattle is going to score a 7-0 victory over the Chicago White Sox, with 32-year-old Gary Bell tossing a complete game for Seattle. He scattered nine hits, striking out six, and walked four. Bell also helped his own cause by stroking a two-run double off Bob Locker in the bottom of the sixth. Seattle first baseman Don Mencher hits the first home run in sixth stadium, a two-run homer off Joe Horland in the third inning. Mencher's home run landed in an area where there were only concrete footings where seats were supposed to be. I'm guessing that was a hollow landing. As a side note, Mencher will be the only all-star as a side note, Mitchell will be the only All-Star in Seattle Pilots history as he will repl- As a side note, Mincher will be the as a side note, Mitchell will be the Seattle Pilots' only All-Star in their history as, as he replaced an injured Mike Hegan in the 1969 All-Star game. The Pilots could not have hoped for a better start. After three games, they were already 2-1. They had won their road opener versus the Angels and their home opener. They even drew more fans than the Angels did for their home opener on April 8th. The move to the Pacific Northwest seemed logical. Baseball itself 
had been deep-rooted in Seattle, and it was the third largest city on the West Coast. They awarded the Seattle franchise to brothers Dewey and Max Serrano during the American League 1967 winter meetings in Mexico City. Dewey and Max were long-term baseball men and local to the area, so it was a perfect fit. Dewey Serrano would say, I was happy as heck. You don't sleep very much, I'll tell you that, because you want to get going and you want to get the players that can really help your club. The problems, however, started early, as Senator Stuart Symington of Missouri demanded that the Kansas City Royals, the other American League expansion team, be ready to play for the 1969 season. Symington would not accept the prospect of Kansas City having to wait three years for baseball to return. Baseball had been played in Kansas City for 84 straight years until the A's left in 1967. So MLB granted him his wish and the team started playing in 1969. Because of the short timeline, the team was far less prepared off-field than on. One of the main reasons no team would move there was not the fan base or the economics of the area. It was the stadium. Cleveland Indians owner William Daly and Kansas City A's owner at the time, Charlie Finley, noted Six Stadium was appropriately named when they scouted the area. Neither wanted to wait the years it would take to build a new stadium, and Six Stadium was just not an acceptable venue. Six Stadium had been a minor league park for the Seattle Rainers since 1938, and it was a fine minor league stadium that enjoyed a great fan base, but it was not a major league venue. The franchise agreement for Seattle was to have a dome stadium within three years of their debut. In the meantime, Six Stadium needed to be expanded to 30,000 seats for the 1969 season. Unfortunately, by opening day, less than 18,000 were in place. The brothers blamed poor weather and cost overruns. The scoreboard was installed the night before opening day, and seats were actually getting installed during the first game. These were seats that fans paid for, and they had to stand and wait for the first three innings while the seats were getting installed. I know that is almost impossible to imagine, but it is a true story. The seating did grow through most of the spring, but the new seats mostly had obstructed views and the stadium maxed out at 25,000 seats, short of the 30,000 that Major League Baseball had required. Beyond the issues for the fans, Six Stadium was problematic for a lot more things, such as there were no field level camera pits. So photographers had to set up their equipment atop the grandstand roof. The clubhouse facilities were second class. No upgrades were made to the stadium's piping, resulting in almost non-existent water pressure after the seventh inning, especially when crowds exceeded 10,000. This forced players to shower in their hotel rooms or at home after the game. The visiting team's announcers couldn't see any plays along third base or left field. The pilots had to place a mirror in the press box, and visiting announcers had to look into it. Visiting announcers had to look into it and refract plays in those areas. By the middle of the season, it was obvious. Six Stadium was completely inadequate, even for temporary use for Major League Baseball. Now, despite all these issues and some of the highest prices for tickets in the league, the Pilots still drew 644,000 fans. In today's game, that seems uncompetitive. However, it was more than the Chicago White Sox, 
the Cleveland Indians, the Philadelphia Phillies, or the San Diego Padres in 1969. The Padres, in fact, didn't draw more fans than the Pilots until 1974. The real issue brewing was the brothers did not have the financial means to carry the team. So they turned to Cleveland Indians owner William Daly. Daly had grown fond of the area when he was considering bringing the Cleveland Indians there. The real issue that was brewing was the brothers did not have the financial means to carry the team. So they turned to Cleveland Indian owner William Daly. Daly had grown fond of the area when he was considering bringing the Cleveland Indians there. Daly funded them initially, and he began to turn the faucet off as he got a deeper look into the pilot's finances and was no longer willing to wait out a new stadium, and the Serrano brothers ran into trouble fast. Daly started to make threats and announcements, and creditors got very nervous, and the stadium being built came to a slow crawl. Max Serrano would say, Sure, he had the money to do so, but I don't think he was a careless person with his dollars. I think he looked at it as the odds being too much against it being a viable franchise until a new stadium was built, and he didn't know how long that was going to be. Left with no options, the brothers decided to sell the team. At first, they recruited local theater chain owner Fred Dance. The sale was actually approved by the baseball establishment, but at Christmas, Dance got a reverse present from the Bank of California. They demanded immediate payment in full on the $4 million they had loaned the pilots for startup costs. Dance couldn't come up with that money in addition to the $10 million he had already raised, so then the sale was nullified. And then, Weston Hotel's president, Eddie Carlson, put together a non-profit corporation to buy the team. But American League owners voted against accepting his offer. And then Washington stepped in, as two senators, Warren Magnus and Henry Jackson, forced the American League to reconsider. And they did. By that time, unfortunately, Carlson's group had disbanded, and there was not enough time for him to bring that group back together. During this time, the Pilots became the only team in Major League Baseball history to go into bankruptcy. Tensions were high, and they were especially high during spring training, with so much uncertainty. And players, coaches, managers, and many others were not getting paid. Then, on March 31st, the team was sold out of bankruptcy court to a Milwaukee-based group led by car salesman Bud Selig. The team moved at the end of spring training for the 1970 season and became the Milwaukee Brewers. They would play their first game in Milwaukee at County Stadium on April 7th as 36,107 fans came out to see their new team. But I should note, after only two years in Milwaukee, the Brewers' attendance had slipped well below what it had been in Seattle. The Pilots are one of two teams to play in a city for one year. The other, ironically, was the Milwaukee Brewers in 1901, who became the St. Louis Browns and is now the Baltimore Orioles. Interestingly enough, interest in the Pilots themselves is much greater now than it was when the team existed. One of the reasons for this could be the book that Jim Bouton wrote called Ball Four, as he chronicled the entire 1969 season. Although it was much maligned by those inside the game, and Bouton was exiled for baseball for several, several years, the book, trust me when I tell you this, is a great, fun read. So that's it for April 11th. 
1969 in this day in baseball. I want to thank you for joining us. And by all means, please check out the show notes for links and other things you might have missed. And we'll see you at the ballpark.